Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report, Episode 7, November 8th, 2018. Um, I've had a request to actually do some proper audio editing on the intro music, which I definitely plan on doing, but I'm not going to get around to it this week because I kind of want to um, get this out the door pretty quickly. I might go pick up Oliver from school because I took half a day off today. But um, anyway, here's the last ever truly raw audio intro. So I guess farewell to literally holding my phone up to the microphone and moving it away and turning the volume down. Uh, Served me well, though. So yeah, I'll probably just drop some actual MP3s into this, uh, into GarageBand next week when I do this. I was just trying to, when I when I first started doing the, this podcast, I wanted to do it as simply as possible to have as few barriers there so I wouldn't have an excuse to not do it in one week or, or whatever. But yeah, I think I should probably do some actual audio where I just simply drop in a track into the timeline and export it and it'll be super easy. Um, by the way, recording this in GarageBand is funny because of course they offer you, when you're opening a new file, you know, they ask you if it's a music thing, if it's a voice thing. So I always choose like narration vocal as the type uh, of project I'm, I'm creating. But even though I choose narration vocal, the actual sort of uh, time counter at the top center of the edit window, the edit screen, still defaults to landing you in a time signature and in a key, So, which, I, which makes me chuckle every single week. So before I change it over to a display setting that merely displays um, minutes and seconds and microseconds, uh, for a second, I always think I should just keep it in a time signature. So anyway, I guess this week's podcast, I'll say, is coming to you in 4-4 um, time in the key of C major. Um, which is the default time signature and key, and maybe next week we'll do the we'll do the show in seven four time or maybe twelve eight for a sort of triplet feel shuffle feel, um, and maybe maybe one of the episodes will be in a minor key. Um, hope not, but you know, as Nigel Tufnell said, that D minor is truly one of the most beautiful of the minor keys. So. Uh, uh, well, we're already three minutes in. Anyway, uh, so this week, uh, yeah, so next week, look for some actual properly edited audio. Uh, so thanks, Pete, for that suggestion. We're going to move quickly into books uh, because there is actually kind of a flow to at least the first half of the topics this week. Um, so I've been reading, I started last week, I may have mentioned My Struggle by Carl Ove, I guess it's Ove, 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 Kanalsgaard, Norwegian writer. Um as of the writing in this book, book one from eight years ago or so, he lives in Stockholm. He's written several volumes since, so maybe he's moved. Um, but I don't know yet. Um, so when I canvassed my Facebook friends a month or two ago, if anyone had read this series, I got a lot of enthusiastic responses. People loved it. Um, so I thought, okay, great. Well, I will read it. And a friend's comment can't remember who said it. it might have been my friend elaine she said it is like just riveting and mundane at the same time and that's exactly how i found it 
Um, the experience of reading this has been the opposite of the science fiction books I've been reading recently because they're they're so plot focused that I really can't wait to open it up and read it again because I just gotta find out what's going on, what's going to happen next. But with um, with this book, it's more that I. I'm I'm not like racing to open it up again, but once I do, I I'm like again lowered into this world of of this guy's mind in this first person um, description of what's happening in his life now, as well as what happened in his life long ago. Um, but he does a good job of uh of setting up something that you he points out a small thing that you just think is is sort of an interesting observation and then 100 pages later it pays off and in a way that's kind of like how life is uh obviously you know well what a big philosophical statement but he mentions at one point how as an adult he just he smelled something and you know smells yeah it was a sense you know, senses can really take you back and all of a sudden he thought back to something he hadn't thought of since he was a kid, had hadn't literally not thought of this thing that jumped to mind. He hadn't thought of it in like thirty years, and I think we've all had experiences like that. And um, he sees something. He sees something in the wall of a new office he moves into. Literally, it's just a, a formation in the cracks. It, it creates. It results in a shape, and that shape result reminds him of some of a similar experience he had as a child, where he saw he saw. Um, a face in in a, in the shape of something, and uh, it took him back to that. So, I have a lot of experiences like that because I tend to not forget things, or I, even if even if I don't think about them, I don't think I've forgotten them. I've always had this, you know. I've, I always remember. I remember everyone I went to school with. I remember little quirks about people. If I meet someone, I um, once I've I'll remember them usually. Um, and it's kind of weird. I've, I've in the past had to preface this when I talk to people saying, you know, this, is, I, I remember little things, so don't think this is too weird, but do you remember eight years ago when you said blah, blah, blah. Um, so I feel like a kinship with this writer because I go through a lot of the same things he is describing. Um, anyway, so what's interesting is in a way, like the, the entire like purpose of this book my struggle is is sort of it's like life longing life logging life longing that works too life logging uh presented as prose as um i <laughs> memoir and or a fictional memoir but of course this this podcast itself is is life logging um because i'm just telling you about what i did and thought about and consumed in the past week, it's I'm logging my life, um, and as I've mentioned before, I was inspired to do this by Rick Webb's podcast, The Webb Chatham Report. And um, he, when he mentioned me, this is getting very meta. When he mentioned this podcast a few weeks ago, he was talking about like, oh, maybe this, maybe we'll see a sort of um, rise in life logging podcasts, um, maybe. And it, it 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 owes a lot. Of, it's very I'm sort of. It's a reminder of how blogs were in the blog heyday of the mid-aughts when some blogs were very long, detailed, and served niche purposes, and others were just a paragraph of, I did this today, and what a funny thing I saw on the street corner five minutes ago. Um, see you tomorrow. But I would, 
I would, I was fans equally of both types. Um, so blogging had a life logging element to it. Um, if you use Foursquare to check in like I do, um, it's life logging. I, I very much like location stuff and I like that I have an active friend base in, in Foursquare that check in because I like seeing where people go. I just, I enjoy seeing location stuff. Um, but for me, I'd probably do it even if there was no friend element to it or if all of my friends stopped checking in because I like keeping a track of where I went. I like saying, oh, I need a haircut. What Did I get a haircut three weeks ago or four weeks ago or five weeks ago? And I can look it up and see when I went. Or I know that I was last at Heathrow, uh, you know, 15 months ago. And before that, it had been four years, things like that. I love, I love being able to check that stuff down. And um, Foursquare actually um, caused this break in my life in terms of life logging because I used to, and I've started again, but I used to have a journal, um, basically moleskins, um, where I would literally write down the date and then what I did that day. No emotion so that I could look back on it without, you know, any cringeworthy factor, but did this or you know, during the weekdays, it'd be like work, went to work, um, met somebody after work, went to a restaurant, saw this concert, etc. Um, so I basically started that in high school and I had, I have many little journals at my parents' house. They're all, you know, just complete sitting there, composition books, tiny little three by five spiral ring, uh, journal things, I guess, with loose leaf paper in it was my first one. Um, composition books, and I moved on to moleskins once I got a little bit of, um, <laughs> wanted, I threw in some design aesthetic. I was, decided to use moleskins. And, um, but yeah, when in 2009, when Foursquare started, I, I sort of like fell off the actual every, every week writing, every Saturday morning going to the coffee shop and writing out my week. Um, but a year and a half ago, I thought, you know what? I miss writing down stuff. I miss using a notebook. And I really wanted to improve my handwriting because it's just gotten awful, which I think is a common thing in our digital age. So I started doing both, still checking on Foursquare. And I write in my journal, and I love writing in the journal. It's just such a therapeutic uh, process every week to just write out what I did. And usually, if it's only been a week or so, I can do it from memory. But often, I'll just open up the Foursquare app and just look back at what I go through my check-ins I didn't just like copy it down essentially um, into the book I just say like oh well, I saw this movie and I flew to Cincinnati or whatever etc um, so then I remembered that life logging as a concept was sort of a trend about four or five years ago I googled it to see when a bunch of articles were written they were all written within a few months ago the 90% of the articles that if you Google life logging, um, you'll get these articles written in 2000, 2014, 2015 and by places like Mashable or like the, um, Mashable or Lifehacker, places like that where they talk about, here's a hot new trend, life logging. And, you know, there's, they're tagged life logging. And then these are, <laughs> there's probably only one piece of content under these tag life logging tags on, on all of these publisher sites. So it was a thing that was written about for a month and then nobody talked about it again. But life logging is very much something that I do and I'm very conscious of because it isn't a nostalgia thing, though. There's a small element of that looking back, but really it's just, it's, I feel like it's a way to like compartmentalize my life mentally. Um, 
I can then move on. Like my, my, my brain realizes that I've properly filed things away on the shelf in an order that pleases me, um, in an organizational way. And now I'm free to move on and life logging does that for me. Um, it's, it's like this self therapy in a way. And like, and in the same way that writing can help you remember things, I feel like recording this stuff and even including recording this podcast helps me, um, it sort of, it, 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 um, helps me not lose the focus or any of the, um, value from the experiences I've had. I sort of retain them, um, in a positive way and move on. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if you've been itching at all to buy a notebook and a nice pen and go sit in a place with a nice window and, and write things down, I highly recommend it. And if you're looking for something to actually write down, I highly recommend literally writing down the date, yesterday's date, a little colon or a dash, and then saying, I went here and I walked here and I did this and I enjoyed this movie, and, you know, and that's it. But it's just nice to write stuff down on paper. So that was life logging. Um, and while I was looking through my Foursquare check-ins over the week when I was writing out the um, outline for this episode, I noticed that I was went to the promenade often, which I run every day, just about every day. And most days I go to the promenade. Some days I don't. But um, before the clocks went back, ending um, day, daylight saving time, I had been getting up early enough where here on the East Coast it was still dark when I ran. And I love running when it's dark, knowing that I'm getting that big of a jump on the day. And when you get up to the promenade that early, the sky is still dark blue, but it's getting lighter and the lights are on in Manhattan. It's gorgeous. As soon as the clocks uh, moved back, of course, um, the clocks went back. So if I was out there at 6.50 a.m., it was a lot lighter. So I guess I have to wait till late December for it to possibly get dark again. And then after that, of course, it gets lighter every day. Um, but yeah, so being on the promenade, I had posted a photo on Instagram my friend Michael um, commented about how, well, now picture there being an expressway there, which is unfortunately going to happen because the city waited too long to repair the BQE. And now we have to, now since Brooklyn Bridge Park has um, sort of arisen in the past decade, there's no place to put a temporary expressway. It has to be on the promenade. Of course, it doesn't have to be there. It could could just close the prompt just close the bqe at that point um that would cause a lot more headaches and it could of course in result in a great increase in um traffic on surface streets so i don't know what the proper solution here is and i haven't done enough research to have a you know finalized personal opinion on this um there's a save the promenade uh campaign and group um but overall I, you know, it's tough. You know, once you get used to a highway, it's, it, the main purpose of this highway, I think, would be just delivery of commercial delivery of goods. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think private vehicular traffic is is worth all the effort. But there is something to be said about what are we going to do about commercial delivery? I don't know what the answer is, but it stinks that the promenade's going to go away for apparently eight years, and that's if it's on time. So that means at some point. Oliver is not going to really have the promenade until he's college age, which is crazy to think about. And my nieces. So yeah, the promenade. Um, but in other great New York City um, f- 
facts of life. There was the marathon over the weekend. Um, we went over to Union Street and 4th Avenue to watch it. Uh, for whatever reason, Oliver was not in the mood to go out. Um, sometimes he's not, so he did not enjoy it. But um, we did sort of goad him into high-fiving some runners as um, as an attempt to get him interested in. He kind of did. And some runners came in. Um, came and high-fived him. Unfortunately, Oliver has this un- trick unrelated to the marathon where he likes to fake people out and pull his hand back at the last minute, and he did that to one runner. And then we were like, whoa, you cannot do that. I'm sure the runner thought it was funny or fine or didn't think about it starting a half a second later. But we're like, do not do that, Oliver. Do not fake. You can't fake people out anywhere, but especially at the marathon. Um, but then after that, we just went out to lunch, and that was nice. And our friends Pete and Kara and, and their kids came by. Archie and Ramona came by. We had a nice lunch, hangout session. Um, let's see. The midterms were this week. I guess it was good. Um, Democrats taking control of the House, obviously losing some ground in the Senate, and it seems like everything's going to come to a head fast in this crazy um, political land, domestic landscape we have right now. Um, but when I went to vote at Carroll Gardens Public Library, our voting sp- spot here, um, there was an older gentleman who was one of the um, elections workers, and he, I was wearing my workout clothes because I was going to go run right after I voted, and I was wearing a Michigan hat. Um, I wear a hat sometimes when it's going to possibly drizzle because so, I can keep my glasses dry. Anyone that wears glasses knows of this conundrum. And... Um, this older gentleman said, oh, you know, Michigan. And I said, yeah. Did you? He said, did you go there? And I said, yes. I graduated in the 90s. And he said, I graduated in the 60s. And he told me he was a member of SDS, the Students for a Democratic Society. And he said, you know, Tom Hayden. And I was like, oh, yes, of course. Tom Hayden was the founder of SDS, founded in Ann Arbor. Tom Hayden, of course, went on to become a famous just political activist. He ran for Congress, I think. I think he made it. Um, he's also famously married to Jane Fonda. Um but it was great talking to this guy about SDS, and it seemed very um, apropos that we were doing it at, at a at a voting polling place or voting place on election day. And then at the end, you know, he said, "Hey, are you a football fan? Because we're number four, you know." And I said, "I know we are number four. And we both just kind of smiled and nodded to each other and went about our business. But that was that was a nice thing, a nice event. Um, let's see, what other? fantastic New York things this week. Oh, well, went out to a work event with my um, New York Post colleagues last night at Bullmore Lanes in Times Square. And, you know, it's just like, it's a reminder of sometimes these little casual work events when, when they're just done in a casual way, you know, please come, you don't have to, but it'd be nice if a lot of people came, which they did. And it's just fun. Everybody is just is in a good mood talking. And I really like you know, hanging out with the, my colleagues and talking to them. So I sort of, I was there for about an hour and a half. I didn't stay the whole time because I have such a busy week this week. Um, besides work, just socially that I just thought I've got to get home and I want to see Oliver and read him books and everything. But when I was going, I was just like, that was such, that was so nice. You know, what a, what a nice, nice event. Um, you know, it's always, I, it's a reminder of, you know, Whenever you're on the fence about something, like, oh, I just want to go home, but should I do this? You know, if you go and do it, you're probably going to have a nice, probably going to have a nice time. And if you don't, I guess you'll have learned something. But anyway, 
playing some gigs. I'm actually playing a gig tonight. Um, my band Garden of the Ark, we are a trio and we play very loud, riffy music, um, pretty heavy. Our tagline is, uh, I think I've said this before, our tagline is, is 70s riffs meets 90s noise. So if we're ever in an elevator with Clive Davis, that'll be my elevator pitch. Um, but we're playing St. Vitus tonight, which is the preeminent awesome metal bar in new york city it's been around for about eight years something like that and man we played there in may i think it was and just such a cool place what a great fun place it's like both authentic but you can also see the appeal of non-metal metal fans non-metal heads i mean that's like you know vogue's had parties there like bjork's had secret shows there um so i guess like metal's cool in that way but it's just really a great great place um kind of cold in there especially on stage i remember being frigid while wearing a short sleeve shirt i hope it's not the same again but i just have to play extra hard to build up a sweat i suppose um so if i post this podcast in the next half an hour and you actually listen to it and you're looking for something to do tonight november 8th come to st vitus uh we're on at like 8 45 p.m or something and then this weekend sunday the 11th I am playing a Kids Grateful Dead show at Brooklyn Bowl, which is going to be super fun. Um, the band, is, it's it's under the um, sort of auspices of the school, what, what is Playhouse of Rock School, Playhouse for Kids? I can't believe I can't remember right now. But anyway, they do the kids shows at Brooklyn Bowl in the morning, Sunday mornings, and this one's Grateful Dead, and Adam Roberts is a guitar player. He's He's the normal Brooklyn Bowl school kids thingy guy. But the star of the show is going to be the Barton Hills Choir, which is a fifth and sixth graders school chorus from Austin, Texas, and they're flying up for it. And their their teacher, their leader, is this guy Gavin Tabone, who I went to the Summit Country Day School in Cincinnati with way, way long time ago when we were in like fifth grade um, in the eighties, and. We were both in this music. We were both in the choir there, which is awesome. And we were both in the. We both had the same music teacher, who was kind of like the most popular teacher in school, and everyone loved him. And he was just had really engaging, con- like uh, material. And for example, at one point in the school year, we learned then you know, like rock history songs. Just that was part of like the curriculum. Um, we all learned to play the xylophone. We all learned to play the recorder. We sang. We just simply would sing songs together, and he would sing. His sort of playbook was um, a lot of 1920s, 30s, 40s songs, and we would just sing them for no reason. That was half the class sometimes, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of kids that know all the contemporary hits from the 30s. It was really great, and I'm so glad I got those like in my head. Anyway, Gavin was similarly inspired by this teacher, but of course he actually went and became a music teacher. And it seems like very much in the style of our, of, of our teacher, the teacher's name, by the way, Mr. Bruce Bowden in Cincinnati. Anyway, so I haven't seen Gavin since the eighties. I've not seen him, but I connected to him online through social media because he happens to be the teacher for, of the kids of my friends, Jack and Courtney McFadden, who moved to Austin five years ago. They used to be in Brooklyn and Park Slope, and they were the kind of people that knew everyone, and uh, they were very involved in the music scene. Jack, also known as Skippy, Skippy used to book the Bell House, uh, the Rock Shop, Union Hall. Um, he booked like Taka Taka's second or third show ever at Union Hall, the month Union Hall opened, put us on a lot of great Bell House gigs. <clears throat> anyway, Gavin is 
the music teacher of his kids. So it's such a coincidence. And then on guitar, lead guitar is David Gans, who's the longtime host of the Grateful Dead Hour. Um, pretty amazing. Uh, Grateful Dead Hour is a nationally syndicated radio show about the Grateful Dead, and it's been going on since literally the mid mid eighties. So it'll be quite a quite a fun time. So if you're on Sunday looking for something to do and you have kids, even if you don't have kids, um, you should come by Brooklyn Bowl. There's two shows: one's at eleven thirty a.m. and one's at like two thirty p.m. So those are gigs. Um, oh, twenty four minutes. So I'm doing well with my keeping this short. Uh, quick beer check. Um, two interesting beers this week. I had a Five Burrows Tiny Juicy IPA at Bar Great Harry down the street. That was an excellent beer. And then I got a six-pack to keep in the fridge um, of Carol Garden Wit, W-I-T, Wit. And Carol Garden is all one word, and it's not gardens. It's Carol Garden and spelled with like a double A, Carol. Or no, wait, Carol Garden. Hey, kind of like um, Carl Ove Knaus Guard. Um, anyway, so Carol Garden Wheat's great beer. I guess this this episode is brought to you by Double Letter A. Um, and remember that it was in four four time. I guess that's it. I, as a as a nod to Pete, I'm not going to do any music on the outro because, um, yeah, I guess you've you've now heard the last of the super amateur audio, and next week there'll be some pro audio. I hope. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, that's life in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, this sunny afternoon of November eighth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, this is. I guess I'll end on the. I'll guess I'll end on the one. If this is in four four time, and see. Uh, okay, so we'll count out um, three four one two three four one. See you next week, everyone.